For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 6 through 7. Well, mighty Christmas, brothers and sisters. I want to thank everybody for all the work you guys did on Friday night. It was a wonderful evening. It was uh, really a a blessing. Uh, Thanks to Jeremy and the praise team, the deacons for last minute putting together the baptistry. Tracy did a great job, and Marcy making the place look beautiful, and the hospitality, and the tech team, Danielle, and all the kids, and uh, uh, Jason made the place uh, just work perfectly technically. Let's give them all a big hand. Uh, If I missed anybody, I'm sorry. Uh, but um, uh, th- there was a lot of work that was done to make it all it all happen, and it was a beautiful night of family, um, you know, to to make it it all happen. Um, if you missed it, watch it on Facebook or or YouTube, and and, and share it with a friend. You know, I was thinking uh, about when I was in Africa just a minute ago. And when I was in Africa, I, Andre gave me the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning. And I walked probably about a mile to this open-air pavilion, with, and I had a parade of young children, probably 20 kids that escorted me as we were going down the village. And all these people were out in their homes, and I was waving to them on the way to church. And I'm, come along, come along. <laughs> the parade got bigger to, to, to go to church. And come worship, come worship the king. And, uh, and they, I was a curiosity. Uh, and, and Haiti, I'm known as Grand Blanc, big white guy. And so, you know, people are looking at me. And this is a Muslim vis- village. And I'm preaching Luke 15, and I'm thinking about that. That's all about how God wants to find lost things. And so I, I start preaching, and the first thing I said, I'm through an interpreter, and I said, how do you say welcome? And, and, and so I learned the word welcome in Mindy, which was their language, and I told the crowd to turn outward and yell, Welcome! And so I all yelled, Welcome. And then I said, How do you say, Welcome, friend, to all the Muslims that were living? And so they all yelled, Welcome, friend. And then I said, Now yell, Welcome, come see the crazy white guy. And you know what? That crowd got huge. Because <laughs> I did all kinds of juggling and balloons as I did my sermon, and it, it got crazy. Now, I think we might have to start yelling around here, come here, the crazy white guy at Crosswinds. Are you guys sharing on Facebook what's happening here at Crosswinds? You got friends and relatives that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and there's stuff going on here at Crosswinds. There's crazy stuff going on. It's going to get crazy in here a little bit today. And we, we but, but good crazy, right? And we need to share the love of Jesus Christ. Because our king has come. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I, and I was thinking as I read this scripture that it's natural for me to rebel against authority. That's who I am. How many of you are rule followers like my wife? Yeah, I, I know. I can I could point you out. Some of you are rule followers. You know, in every couple, there's probably a, a rule follower and a rule breaker. 
Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, Danielle, are you the follower or breaker? Breaker, I thought so. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's why I like you. Anyways, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you tell me something can't be done, it makes me want to do it more. It's just the way my brain works. Unfortunately, um, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's, there's a positive side that I'm an out-of-the-box thinker. That's why I do crazy stuff in Africa. Um, but I have learned that this can be both good and bad because many of the rules that are out there are principles that are there to protect me. Things like guardrails on the highway and speed limits and traffic signals are ultimately there to protect you and other people from me. See, actually, there is authority that is good for me and everybody else. See, God's word is full of rules or commands, which are boundaries meant to protect our lives and our relationships. They, they are to protect our relationships with God, and they are to protect our relationships with each other and make our lives a blessing. You know, those of you that like rules, like my wife, are rebels too. See, I don't like rules because I value freedom. Rules people value control. And the problem is sometimes the control you value mo most is your own and not God's, which also makes you a rebel too. Friends, we are all rebels. And it, it starts early at birth. I'm a children's entertainer. That's, that's what I've done for over 30 years. And when I perform, I often, at a library or a school, take a, a, a tape, a masking tape, and put a line on the floor to keep the kids back because I'm a big guy, and if they get their little fingers there and I step on them, I could crush them. So I want to have a line or a boundary, or if I'm juggling something dangerous, I don't want them too close. And, you know, from the moment I put that line there, you know what happens? A bunch of them want to creep across that line. And you know what? Some others want to control the ones trying to creep across the line and hold on the rules, even though it's not their job to control them. So you got the rule breakers and the controllers. It, it, it just happens naturally. It's small, small children. Um. Now, this does not just happen in the U.S., where we are kind of individualistic thinking. This is who we are here in, in, in this country. It happens in Africa. People struggle with lines and boundaries and control. Uh, I almost saw a riot break out on the plane um, because there was a flight attendant from Brussels who was a little high on control with some people who valued their freedom and did not want to wait uh, for their turn to disembark, and she went a little too high on control, and it almost created this riot on the plane. Um, fortunately, there was a pastor sitting in that row. <laughs> um, it's, it's a human problem to rebel and try to be our own authority or somebody else's. You know, Jesus has done a lot of help to help this rebel 
understand it's in my best interest to obey him and that he always has my best interest at heart. But there's a rebel that's naturally in there. For example, if my wife tells me what to do when I'm driving, I'm tempted to say, don't tell me what to do. Even if she's right. You know, I must have a rebellious attitude at other times because the other day I said she was right about something and she said, oh, would you please say that again? <laughs> See, we, we all like to be right, don't we? Honestly. We all like to set the rules in our own life. It's, it's the American way. Don't tell me what to do. Not our way. I got my rights. We've seen this happen in the last year with the, the mask, right? Uh, the masks. Masks are just a boundary to keep everybody safe, to keep people safe. But the rules people found an opportunity to control with it. And the freedom people found an opportunity to cross a line. And we've seen a lot of conflict both sides thinking they're right. Now, I'm, I'm not saying which is right, but is it possible that both the control and the don't-tell-me-what-to-do attitude is both rebellion? That both reactions are really about our need for personal control and to be in charge? See, our text today is actually about how to settle the argument and let God be in control and end rebellion. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The control, the, 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 the leadership, the government shall be upon his shoulder. The, the child that is born is speaking of Jesus, God's son. Last week we talked about the incarnation, that God became a man. He became a man so that he could become a circuit perfect sacrifice, an unblemished lamb, uh, one man in history without any rebellion or sin. And his sacrificial death could take away the sins or the rebellion of the people of the world. And he gave his son to be poor, unthreatening, weak, vulnerable, like one of us, so he could suffer like one of us and die like one of us because he loved us you know part of the miracle of the incarnation is that god became a man that was last week's message but this week's message is unwrapping baby jesus and it's about the miracle that when he became a man he also maintained his authority as god he was fully god and he was fully man at the same time. And this is what Isaiah is predicting 700 years before his birth. But even though he was fully God, he was a perfect man. He did not need to break the rules. He did not need to use his authority to lord over and control others. Instead, he served others and he loved people. See, most of us tend to reject authority as always bad. Unless we are the ones who are in authority, don't we? But authority itself 
isn't bad. There are just sometimes corrupt or bad authorities. True authority is really a good thing. You know, I want a compass that always points truly to the north. I want a GPS that is 100% accurate. I want those things to be completely 100% authoritative in their directions to me so I don't get lost. I want a doctor to be a good authority on the right antibiotic for me to take to cure my infection. I want a pharmacist to be a good authority on which pill goes in the right bottle and in the right label so he doesn't kill me. I want my financial advisor to be a good authority on market trends so I don't make a bad investment. I want my children's teacher to be an authority on the subjects they teach my children and how to care for children and keep them safe. The problem is not authority, friends. The fact is, the problem is we have competing thrones. Both rule breakers and rule followers have a little throne sitting on their shoulders that is ruling them. And Isaiah is giving us a solution that will end the rebellion. The government will be on his shoulders. That means eventually Jesus will rule completely. Now, uh, eventually, uh, that, that initially frightens both kinds of rebels because rule breakers feel that they lose freedom and controllers feel like they're losing control. Notice I use the word feel. It's not what's true. What's true is when God rules, we gain freedom and we gain control of our lives. That's what's true. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Basically, that verse is saying, unless God is ruling you, unless you are under His authority, you actually have no control of your life. There is no wisdom. You are basically an animal reacting in emotion. Your fears make you break boundaries to get what you want, or to control others to get what you want, you're really not in control. You think you are, but your fears are really what is in control. You only really gain control when you come under the fear of the Lord, which frees you. True good authority is what works. If you had a faulty GPS, would you be in control of where you're going? No. If, if you're your own GPS, you're your own global perspective system, friends, you're lost. You're just lost. Jesus came to be our GPS. He did. God's protection system right true good authority for our lives something we can trust in in every situation that's what isaiah is saying and his name shall be called 
wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. What, what does a counselor do? They guide us. Now, now, my father was a psychologist. And I grew up around many psychologists. That's why I'm so weird. Most of my, his friends were psychologists, and like my dad, most of them were atheists. Most of them were divorced a few times. Most of them were single. Most of them were plagued with anxiety and depression themselves, and most of them had no fear of the Lord. You know, you kind of need to be careful who you get counsel from. Because if, if their GPS is off, how can they lead someone else? I'd like you to all watch this video about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop it. Now, some of you may be thinking right now that Bob is a terrible counselor. And some of you may be thinking that Bob is a great counselor. But let's look at the woman in the video. She is being led by her emotions. And I have found as a pastor that this is how most people lead their lives, by how they feel. But here's the problem. Our emotions are poor leaders. They are lying authorities to listen to. The Word of God tells us that. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick and who can understand it? That's from Jeremiah 17.9. See, our emotions, they lie to us. So they are a faulty GPS that we should not let lead us through our lives. 
but also we should not ignore them because the Bible <coughs> would say they're important. It says, guard your heart or keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the wellspring or flows the springs of life. Emotions are a gift from God. They need to be stewarded with much wisdom. And so we do need good counselors <coughs> for our emotion. The Bible also says the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Proverbs 25. Now, some don't think they lead their lives by emotions. My <coughs> father's friends had great intellects, PhDs, and they didn't think they lived their lives by emotions. Instead, they thought they led their life by intelligence, and they sought to gain lots of information to make their decisions. And the Bible does say many advisors makes victory sure. But what if all your advisors have false GPS, like many of the humanistic psychologist friends of my father's that believed environment makes us rebels, not our basic sin nature? And that little bit of corruption will really take you off course in your understanding and you'll never find the solution to the problem. See, Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor. He, he knows exactly what we need. The word wonderful means extraordinary. You know, sometimes people initially might have a human counselor that they think is wonderful. But Jesus is more wonderful the more you get to know him because his counsel is perfect. It works if you work it. After all, he made your mind. He made your body. He is the perfect authority on you. He is a wonder at understanding what people need. A, a psychologist or counselor may seem like a wonder and can be helpful to get you down the road a little bit, but only Jesus can take you all the way home. And so I'm not picking on psychology. I think therapists can be helpful. I'm trying to point the p importance of trusting in the authority of Jesus as supreme. A counselor without his true authority may help you get more lost because how can someone lead you to where they don't know how to go to? I am often someone people go to for counsel. Be warned, I'm probably more like Bob in this video. That's how pastoral counseling works. Or discipleship, mentoring works. You tell me what the problem is. I tell you what God says about it. Then you go obey what his word says. And then you come back for accountability and tell me how it went. And then we talk about it. And then I give you more insight of how his word is supposed to go. If you don't do what his word says, I really can't help you. It's more about the authority of his word than about your feelings. I will listen and be understanding to your feelings, but if you don't follow his word, you're not going to get well. The people that got well for Jesus is the ones that in faith obeyed him. I'm not the authority. Jesus is. And when I'm doing well, I am responding like him through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I told you, my GPS is off because I'm a rule breaker and sometimes a controller like every other human teacher. So you need to test everything I say by the word of God. See, there are no inerrant human teachers. 
So every teacher you listen to has some errors. We're not wonderful. And be honest with yourself, though. If you find error in a teacher, make sure that's really an error and, and, and not you just finding a justification for breaking the rules. So that's why many counselors make victory sure, because you need to test everything. When I, I go to preach, I, I, I read lots of authors so that I make sure that my, what I'm thinking is correct. But I read the Bible first so that I'm listening to Jesus first, and then I, 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 I make sure what I'm saying is correct. Many advisors. That's what the Proverbs say. At Crosswinds, we believe God's word is without error. It is true authority because without, it, it is without error. It is a useful counselor. I have errors. Don't call me wonderful, please. Or eventually you will call me a demon if you call me wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. John calls him the word of God, the very one that created the universe. That is a wonderful counselor whose words can be trusted. And, 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 and since fear seems to drive both our rule-breaking and our control, let's see what his counsel would be in the situation Bob was in, compared to Bob. So this is what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food or the body more than clothing? Matthew six twenty five. You know, basically that stop it. Because do not be anxious about your life is a big category, including trapped in a box. Jesus is perfect authority. And if he tells us not to do something, then we should stop doing it. He says, do not fear. Now, here's where Bob got it wrong, because the counselor cannot give you all the information. He doesn't just end with stop it. He ends with, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, Matthew 6, 33. See, Jesus knows how our brains work, that we can't just stop ourselves from being afraid. We have to replace fear with faith. Fear and faith can't occupy the same space in our brain at the same time. We need to seek first the kingdom so we are reminded of his love for us. And the word of God says that perfect love casts out our fear. Jesus told Peter to stop fearing and follow him. Good authority, our true GPS, leads you away from fear. See how that works? We have the antidote to fear, folks, in our good counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor, if you'll trust him, who, who will get you to your destination in every aspect of your life if you will listen and obey his counsel. But see, the problem is most who say they are Christians actually instead live like they're atheists. They do. While they say they believe in God, they trust their emotions or their intellect more than the authority of his word. And they often don't discipline themselves to know his word so that they can seek his counsel in it and find guidance in it. And so they become fearful. They become despairing. They become um, lacking in things. And they don't live in joy and hope 
and abundance. And they shrink from life instead of living abundantly and prosperously in their life the way God would want them to. The Bible says this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 2. Now, how are you going to do that? How are you going to take every thought captive if you never read or study his word and what it says? If you don't go to his word for answers, if you don't have regular discipleship relationships with other more mature believers that are helping you and guiding you to the correct scriptures and challenging you to think um, in new ways and not in your rebellious attitudes and your rebellious thinking, how are you going to... How are you going to destroy those other arguments? Beloved, this is a really critical question. Who are your thoughts really captive to? Facebook? Netflix? MSNBC? The View? Fox News? Your friends at work? Your friends at school? The guy at the bar? The girls at the club? Your feelings. Your superior intelligence, that three pounds of gray matter between your ears that has maybe had 13 to 70 years of experience. Or an infinite, eternal, eternal, wonderful counselor that has made everything in the universe. If you are held captive to those things I mentioned before, You're actually a slave to Zuckerberg, the almighty dollar, and other rebels who are slaves to their fleshly desires. Unless you're captive to obey Christ, then you're free by a wonderful counselor that has set you free, free indeed. This is not about your intelligence. You know, there are teens in this church that have more wisdom and insight than PhDs because they fear the Lord. I have met many educated fools in our universities. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. The Bible says this, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever rests, and whoever has it, rests satisfied. And he will not be visited by harm. Proverbs 19.23 Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Learn to hunger for his word and for his counsel, and you will be satisfied in life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is what he said. You will be safe in this life forever. Eternal life, abundant life. Make a commitment, friends, this year to devour His Word every opportunity you have. Hold it captive. Hold every thought captive in your mind. His authority in your life is where the power for your life will come from. His name shall be called Mighty God. You know, most people like Jesus.
most people in the world like Jesus. You know, atheists like Jesus. They like his humanitarian values, his humanistic kind of values. You know, there's actually a group out there called Atheists for Jesus. You know, Muslims like Jesus. He's one of their, their prophets. Jews, they, they, they like him as a teacher. They like what he has to say. Hindus like Jesus. They just add him to their other 1,000 or so gods. You know, Will Ferrell, he, he likes Jesus. Baby Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. Watch Talladega Nights. Um, people like to use the name Jesus in their swear words all the time. I mean, uh, most people use the name of Jesus. Um, people like uh, to put a picture of Jesus with long, flowing hair and soft, doughy eyes, full of compassion on their walls. You know, when they're feeling sad, they like to look at him. Or when they're feeling lonely, um, you know, they're religious like Jesus. But you know when they don't like Jesus? When he's called mighty God. The word of God says he has all authority on heaven and on earth. Now, when you say that to an atheist, they're out. Uh-uh. Muslims are out. They don't want an all-powerful God who also loves their enemies. Hindus are out because there's no room for Jesus with their 99, 999 other gods. And Will Ferrell, he might have to choose different kind of movies to do. So he's out with that kind of Jesus. He likes a cute little baby Jesus. And the people with the picture of the woman, actually that was a model for that picture, with the mustache drawn on, you know, the sandal-wearing hippie, that makes them feel all comforted and ooey-gushy. But when the authority Jesus comes, he's going to tell them what to do. The one who created the stars with, their fingertip, with his fingertips, according to the universe, they're out too. The one who's the author of life, the one who created all things, the one who could stop a storm with the word, he could recreate a man, a man's eyes in an instant from some dust in his spit. He could make a paralyzed man who never walked whole again, strengthen his legs and give him the knowledge of how to walk by the authority of his word, by saying, pick up your bed and walk. That's a man with power. That's a man with authority. That is God. When you start talking about him like that, the crowd starts to depart. While he was a man who walked on this earth and said good things and was compassionate, he was mighty. He has done what no man has ever done. He defeated death. He walked out of the grave. Buddha's bones are still in his grave rotting. So are Muhammad. So are Joseph Smith's. So are you going to trust in their GPS or Jesus's? I like his destination. He's still alive today. His destination is better. He is almighty God. Isaiah says he will be called everlasting father. Jesus is eternal. Yes, a son was born to us. God added humanity to Jesus. But Jesus has always existed as the third person of the Trinity. Jesus has always existed. And his love for us will never change because God himself is unchanging. Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us, is the same 
yesterday and today and forever. You can count on his love always. You can count on his promises to you always. They work across time. They work across culture. They work across genders. He is called father because some of us have had fathers that have disappointed us, our earthly ones. I want you to think about the pairing of everlasting father. This is a father, friends, that won't leave you ever. This is a father that can't die on you. This is a father that won't fail you morally. This is a father in the best sense of the word. This is a father that has created you so he understands everything about you perfectly. This is a father that seeks to protect you completely for all eternity. This is a father who is a provider that will provide ultimately what you need to live, thrive, and survive forever. He is a father who gives you an identity. He makes you into a new creation, restoring into you, to his very image, you making you into a son or daughter that you may glorify him forever and he will be called prince of peace friends prince means leader without proper leadership we're all in trouble when jesus saw the crowd of people he saw what our rebellion had done to us all how it had broken up our lives some of the people were trying to break free in their rebellion and others were trying to control others in the rebellion through their fear. And he said we were all helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. It it is our rebelliousness that has made us helpless and harassed. We have departed from God's perfect authority and let our emotions and our intellect lead us instead of his word. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 27. The word prince means leader, captain, chief, lord, overseer. And the problem is that most of us give our lives over to someone who is not looking out for us. We align ourselves with a religion, an ideology, a political party, a charismatic leader, a priest, a prophet, or pastor. And the Bible says we are all straying like sheep. And we need to return to Jesus, the good shepherd of our souls. And his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Human leaders divide us. They try to get us to conquer each other. They divide us by freedom people and and rule people. Jesus comes to defeat who is our true enemy. That rebellious nature, that sin nature that makes us want to break the rules and hurt others or hurt others by controlling them. And instead, he leads us to the cross. He did not come to hurt others or to control others. He came to put to death the rebellion in his body forever. He he came not to make us better. He came to make us new. He came to change our very nature. For our sake, the scriptures say, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He made us new. See, sin lost its power over us on the cross. Jesus took authority over sin's power to make us rebel. 
He did not let it win. He did not let his emotions lead him as he hung there in agony with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He didn't let it create rebellion in him. And he didn't curse the ones who tortured him. Even though he was the perfect son of God. He didn't let his intellect get the best of him and say, hey, I am mighty God. I don't need this. I can call fire from heaven down on these people, wipe this planet out and start over with better people. No, he held every thought captive to his father's will, which is love for us. And for the joy set before him, he endured that cross and instead cried out in authority as the son of God, father, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then at the proper time, he gave up his life. No, it was not taken from him. It was his authority to give it up. He chose to die for us because he loves us. The Roman guards were surprised that he was dead so soon. But after all the weight of our sin and our rebellion was placed on him, he had the authority to put it all to death. And then he cried out, it is finished, which is an accounting term, which means paid in full. Our debt, all our debt for all our past sins, our present sins and our future debt was credited to the Son of God. And the Son of God, with full authority, authorized the transaction by dying, destroying the power of sin to make us rebel. And for those who believe in this wonderful, mighty Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus, will receive His everlasting kingdom, will receive his righteousness. And three days later, he proved it. To the surprise of even his disciples, he walked out of the tomb again, just as our prince said. And he said, I have the authority to lay down my life, and I have the authority to take it back up again. And this charge I received from my father, John ten eighteen. Jesus is the prince of peace. Meaning those who believe in him will now have peace with God forever. The war is over. The rebellion is over. Your sin and rebellion that once made you an enemy of God has made you a new creation. And you are now a loved son or daughter of God. This word peace here in Hebrew is the word shalom, which has a much broader meaning. Of course, it means tranquility and that the war is over, but it means completeness. It means soundness. It means welfare. It means prosperity. It means contentment. It even means friendship and more. And all that comes when we receive Jesus as our authority in life. We receive everlasting life. We receive GPS, God's protection system, eternally. Salvation, friends, is not believing in Jesus. Many people believe in Jesus that will not receive salvations. 
they believe in Jesus in the, in the same sense you believe in Santa Claus, like a, a sentimental story. Friends, salvation is found in a transfer of authority. When you trust in Jesus as your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. A hippie in sandals with good hair or a babe in a manger just won't do it for you. You need to believe in the goodness of God and his authority and what he has promised you and what he has done for you through Jesus. And you must believe in what his word says to you and stop fearing and follow him and let him freely give you forgiveness and everlasting life. If you're saying to yourself right now, he can't forgive me, then what you're saying is that you are God and that he is not an authority in your life and you will go straight to hell. If you are saying, I'm not ready, you are saying you are God, you are the one in authority, and you will perish in hell. And if you are saying, I am not yet ready to believe, I'm thinking about it, you are playing God, and you will perish. Friends, doubts are okay. We all have some doubts at times. So say this, I believe in you, Jesus. You are my authority. Help me with my unbelief. Counsel me through it. Jesus, I can't forgive myself, but I believe you are mightier than me and I will accept your forgiveness. Teach me to forgive myself. Jesus, I am afraid, but I will get up and I will follow you anyway. See, friends, that is a transfer of authority that will save you. Friends, give up your rebellion and live. Give up the rebellion and learn to love from him. Give up the rebellion and stop hurting and controlling others and do his work on this earth. Let his authority increase in you daily and change this very world we live in. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it and with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 9-7. Friends, God loves you and this is his will for you. And he has the authority to make it happen. And he, from what Isaiah is saying, has an army of angels ready to support you. Do not be afraid. Your prince has come for you. And he wants peace in every aspect of your life. Transfer your authority to him. Surrender your life to him. Let us pray. Father God, we praise you for Jesus. Our wonderful counselor. Our mighty God our everlasting Father, our, our Prince of Peace. Lord, if there's anybody listening to my voice online, if there's anybody watching in this room and, and hearing that has not transferred their authority, that has not made Him their Lord, 
Lord, I pray right now that they, they would surrender their lives to him right now. They would be like Paul, that they have been crucified with Christ. They no longer live, but they let Christ live in them. And that they would do his will in this world. Lord, I know that you will give them peace in their hearts. I know that you will give them new life. That you will make them new. That you will love them forever. Lord, don't just make them better, make them new. That's why you came. Lord, let them surrender right now. Do a miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit. Convict them of their sin. Convict them of your holy goodness. Convict them of the urgency to surrender now. To stop living in confusion and rebellion come under your GPS. Oh, Lord, let it happen now. Let the world change to come under your GPS. Let there be a revival across our land. Let us start right now. New Year's starting. Start with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Today, if you want to pray a prayer commitment, you want to come and surrender to your Lord, I'll be here to receive your prayer.